Welcome to Mayfield Baptist Church. We are very excited to have you with us here. We do encourage you to follow us on our social media, which you can access through our website at mayfieldbaptist.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast to keep you up to date with our latest messages. We do hope you enjoy this recent message from NBC, that it may help you connect to God, grow in your faith and serve in your own context. I don't know about you, but it's beginning to feel a little bit like Christmas at our house. And uh, it's, there's a certain excitement there. There's a certain sense of anticipation coming up. And there's also some uh, sense of, of smells happening as well with Christmas. I don't know about you. Next slide, please. But there's a sense of um, particularly Christmas smells that go along. And to help us uh, get into today's message, I'm gonna inv- I'd like to do a little activity. So up here I have some uh, different cups, and in these cups are some Christmas smells you might typically find around Christmas time. You don't know what they are. They're covered up so you can't see them. But the challenge is I'm going to ask, I haven't planned this. I'm taking a bit of a risk, okay? I'm going to invite some people who have got a bit of a good sense of smell to come up and have a go and see if they can tell me what's inside these different cups. There's a few different cups here. We've got five different cups here. And uh, just have a, a bit of a smell and a bit of a whiff and tell me w- what's inside them. So would anyone like to be my special Christmas helpers? Yep, some young people, come on up, come up. Yep, please. Yep, yep, come on up. Come on, kids, youth, uh, old people as well, older people. Come on. That's it. So, yep, good on you, Lockie. Thank you. Yes, nice. Okay, great. i got that microphone, please. Thank you. Okay, so you guys have got a good sense of smell. What do you think? Okay. So number one here, okay, put it there, have a bit of a smell of that one. You can try and have a good whiff. What do you think? Any ideas? What do you think? Bread. 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 Okay, let's have a look inside. Try again. Ooh. Oh, it's close. Have a bit more of a smell. Oh, any ideas? It's, it's all bread. It's a bit, bit bakery, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. It is a Christmas mince pie. Close. Good job. That's a winner. Well done. Thank you. Okay, number two. Okay, let's, let's try this one here. Oh, okay. Let's try this one here. Good good smell. Have a good whiff. What do you think? Mango. Yes, Christmas mango. Good job. Let's just pull it off. Yep, that's definitely the case. Yep. Oh, great Christmas smell. Okay, number three. Okay, this one could be interesting. This is a bit harder. Okay, have a good whiff of that one. Big smell. What do you think? Yeah, no, let's try again if you want to. Oh, oats. 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 Oh, not quite. Not quite. Pull it off. It's close. It is It is organic. Another smell. Have a look inside. What can you tell us? Stems. Stems. Pine needles. Pine needles. A Christmas tree or a part of a Christmas tree that I cut down. It is now inside the cup. Good job. Okay, number three. Number four. Okay. Oh, lucky. <laughs> cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yes, classic cinnamon. And number five. Who wants to smell number five? Oh, oh. This one's a bit interesting. Okay, okay. We can't, we can't, we can't, maybe all can smell and then you can tell me. Have, have a big whiff and have a, have a good smell. Don't, don't tell me you have a smell. Whoa, okay, what do we think? Tuna. 
No, close. Berries? Berries, no. Oh, I see the, 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 the great... <laughs> okay, well, we'll pull it off. Salmon? What do you think about that? What's that? A prawn, of course. A Christmas prawn at Christmas time. Okay. Okay, now, we have one cup left. Because, you know what, there, there's, a, there's some smells here that are missing, particularly from the first Christmas. You know, I don't think that those smells we had there would have really been around the first Christmas. Now, they're a bit of a warning. This is a bit of a smelly one, okay? It doesn't smell very good. Do you want to have a go? You do? Okay. Ooh, okay, you sure? Okay, right, you have a bit of a smell. Oh, what do you think? Oh, what do you think? Have a smell. Up to you. Have a good whiff, Lockie. <laughs> so hey, not quite, not quite. So any ideas? What 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 are some of the smells of the first Christmas? Do you think? Peanuts. Peanuts. No, quite. Poo. Poo. It is. It's cow manure. Because you know what? There would that would have been one of the smells. Thank you guys. Give them a big hand. Thank you so much for helping us out today. Yeah, one of these, the, one of the first smells, one of the yes, thank you. One of the smells of Christmas would have been cow manure. You know, there would have been other smells there as well. It would have been pretty raw and pretty real. There would have been the smell of hay, probably the smell of smoke, the smell of unwashed humans. You know, the, back in those days, they really didn't bathe as much as we did today. So it was quite a smelly world. You know, when Jesus was born, right into that stench, into that that that. It wasn't very pleasant. There was no deodorants around. There was no sort of, you know, like Febrezes and, and cleansers. It was, it was raw, real smelling of humanity. And Jesus was born right into that environment. You know, when I was a, a young lad, not that many years ago, that's right, not that old, I, I remember hearing the Christmas story. And I, it was very romantic, that idea of Mary and Joseph traveling down to Bethlehem on the donkey and, and giving birth to baby Jesus. And we've got the, we've got the angels, and we've got the lights. And this is a romantic picture of Christmas. But as I've got a little bit older and experienced more of life and, and more of, of what it means to be a parent and also having experienced birth of my children, I've actually come to appreciate just how stressful and how difficult that might have been for Mary and Joseph at that first Christmas. If anyone's ever witnessed the birth of a child, one thing you take away from that, apart from how amazing God is and just how incredible and how good God is, is just how difficult it is as well and the challenge and how stressful it is giving birth. And I wouldn't know because I'm a guy, but I only get to see a part of the picture. But imagine what it was like for Mary and Joseph, having the birth of their child and not even having anywhere to give birth. Maybe having to give birth on a, on a smelly, dirty street corner with no privacy. That would have been terrifying. Now, one thing I've wondered, and oftentimes I come to Christmas and I have the same thought, is that why was it so difficult? I mean, Jesus was the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, the very Son of God. Surely he could have been born in a palace with a nice bassinet, nice and clean, a midwife, a little golden rattle. would have been amazing. But he wasn't. It was so different. In fact, it was as different as it could have got this, this contrast. The King of Kings 
born in a stable, in a, amongst the hay, amongst the, the animal poo. So this is the question I'd like to pose to you today. Why was the first Christmas so difficult? Why couldn't it have been different? And for me, I, I believe that the, the scriptures help give us insight. They don't answer that question directly, but it gives us insight into why was Jesus born the way he was born. And uh, today I'd like to look at the, the story of the three kings. We had that, that wonderful song before. We, we know this so well. But I think the, the gifts that the three kings brought gives us insight into Jesus' identity and the nature of his ministry and gives some, uh, a bit of a glimpse into the nature of his birth as well. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 2. The wise men saw the star they had seen in the east, and it guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they opened up their treasure chests and gave him gifts of, of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. Now today we are looking particularly at the idea of frankincense. That Jesus was a king, but he was a king like no other. And these items, these gifts, help um, give us insight into his identity and the nature of his ministry. Gold represents his kingly nature, that he was the king of kings, yes. But he was also more than that. Myrrh was an, an, an oil, an anointing oil that was often placed on dead people. So it signifies the nature of his death as the suffering servant, the one who came to give his life for us. And then frankincense was a, a particular um, ex expensive practical gift. It was an incense. It's actually a resin of a tree. It's a sap that was often used to burn to produce a beautiful smell. It was expensive. It was a very practical gift. It also has a healing properties. It was often helped to use to treat sickness, reduce inflammations, and to um, help with gut issues or even asthma. And so rather than just talking about frankincense, as I move through this message, we're going to get the sense of experiencing frankincense. It's hard for us to, to really imagine what it's like to, to, to burn things in church. We don't, don't do a lot of burning, do we, really? I mean, we have some candles over there, but it's a bit unusual that we would burn things in church. But back in the Old Testament, that was very normal to, to burn things. You see, priests would often make sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. They literally would sacrifice an animal for the forgiveness of sins. And then they would burn that animal, and in part of that burning, that, that offering, they would, they would put frankincense, this, this incented, beautiful-smelling sap, and offer it up as a sweet smell to God. Priests also prayed prayers on behalf of God's people, and they would burn frankincense as part of that. Now, Miriam, my wonderful wife, has got a little bit of frankincense there, and it should be slowly sort of um, smoking away to have a bit of a smell of that. Hopefully there's no, there's no smoke alarm. I can't see any smoke alarms right here, so we should be safe, okay? But if we do, just don't panic, rightio? It's going to be fine. So this idea of, of frankincense, a, a sweet-smelling aroma, was very normal and natural back in the, old, the days of the Old Testament. And frankincense has this woody, earthy, orangey, spicy smell to it. And I can see it sort of starting to uh, smoke down there just a little way. Have a little bit of a smell. 
not too much, but you get an idea what it was actually like. And so Jesus, this idea of frankincense represents Jesus as our high priest. This is connection between the Old Testament and the nature of who Jesus is himself. Jesus is our high priest. He is the one who came to die for us as the ultimate sacrifice for sins. But he is also the one who, who intercedes for us, who stands between God and ourselves, bridging the gap between, between God and ourselves because of our sin. Hebrews 10 really captures this wonderfully. This says this in Hebrews 10, For God's will for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, once for all time. So Jesus is our the ultimate high priest who brings the ultimate and final sacrifice. He is the one who comes alongside us as our friend. Like the, he's like the super pastor, the ultimate priest. And Hebrews 4 gives us more detail into this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet was without sin. So there's this idea that Jesus understands. He comes alongside. He relates to our challenges. He relates to our suffering. He relates to our ups and downs. And I think this passage gives us insight to that question of why was Jesus born as he was born? He was born in a, in a manger, in, in a stable, in the stench of humanity because he came to understand what it was like to truly be human in the rawness and the realness and sometimes the stench and the messiness of humanity. He came to relate. He came to empathize, to associate, to, to connect with us. I find this so helpful, particularly in the ups and downs of life. You know, Jesus understands. To give you some example from his life and his ministry, Jesus was conceived out of wedlock to a young mum. There was undoubtedly a stigma associated with that. He lived in poverty. He was, as, a, as a man, he was criticized. He was ridiculed and bullied. And quite likely as a child, he was also the same as well because of the nature of his birth and upbringing. He was tempted over and over by the devil, attacking him and him his most vulnerable. He experienced the death of a close friend, Lazarus, and he grieved the loss of family members. His friends betrayed him. If you've ever experienced betrayal in life, you know what? Jesus understands. He gets it. He knows what it is like to feel betrayed by your closest friends. He was accused of things that he did not do. He suffered great physical and emotional pain. He knew what it was like to live a humble and simple life, despite the fact that he had the whole universe at his disposal. Yet he lived simply, and he lived humbly, not abusing his power. His own family members misunderstood him, and at times he felt abandoned and deserted by God. 
So all these things and, and so many more ways, Jesus understands, he relates, he empathizes with our situation. And that's why he was born as he was born. His birth signified the nature of his identity and the nature of his coming ministry. How awesome is that, hey? But it, it, it gets even better. I mean, Romans 8, 34 tells us this, that Jesus Christ who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Just wrap your head around that verse for a moment. Jesus is in heaven, our great high priest, praying for us, knowing our greatest needs, praying for you today, interceding at your greatest point of need. I find that so encouraging, so building up, knowing that the Son of God himself is praying for me this Christmas. There are so many things we can take out of this passage in these scriptures today. The, the first one is this, and this is a little bit bigger picture idea. But the idea that we can worship of God engages all our five senses. Oftentimes in the, the, the vein of Christianity, which we're in the more Protestant, Australian, Western Christianity, the senses we normally use is, is sight and smell. No, so sight and and hearing. We don't engage a lot oftentimes with, with our smell, even our taste, touch, not so much. And I, particularly as a younger Christian in my 20s when I knew all the answers to life, so simple, not so simple, I often love to look down on, on people who had a different tradition to me, people who might have used more bells and smells, type of more of a, a different way of relating and worshipping to God. But as I've grown older, I've, I've come to realize that, that that can be okay, that we can worship God in different ways, using our, engaging our five senses. That, that's all right. And actually, that can be a really good thing. We're worshiping God, engaging all our five senses. Number two, we can come boldly into God's presence. Hebrews 4 says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What a wonderful passage this Christmas. Because of Christ, because he is our great high priest, we can come boldly into God's presence. You know, many religions have this idea of you need, you need a human priest to almost be, a, to, to be an intermediary between you and God and to go to the priest before you go to God. But Christianity believes that we can boldly come to God because of Jesus' death, because he is that connection point between ourselves and our Heavenly Father. We don't need a human priest. We can come directly into his presence. And when we do, we know there is grace, that Jesus meets us at our point of need and will pray for us. He understands. He gets it. We can be encouraged that Jesus knows our greatest need and is praying for us in line with God's sovereign will. What a great encouragement this Christmas. You know, so often we think about, what do I want for Christmas? What's, what do I want? But I think this, these passages and this concept really challenge us to think, well, what do you really, what's your greatest need? What's what your greatest want? What's your greatest need this Christmas? And I can't tell you that. I'd ask you to, to, to pray, to seek God 
and hear from the Holy Spirit what he says in your life. What's your greatest need this Christmas? And then go one step further. You know, Jesus is actually praying for your greatest need. He's interceding on your behalf this Christmas. And so I'd like you to, as you go into your week, to think about this question. Number one, what's your greatest need this Christmas? And number two, what is Jesus praying for you this Christmas? What is he praying? If Jesus was to pray for you this Christmas, how would he be praying? And I think he'd be praying into your greatest need, whatever that might be. And lastly, the gift of compassion and understanding towards others is one of the greatest gifts you can give. You know, one of the, the, the gift of Christmas was Christ with us as a human, relating, empathizing, resonating with our weakness, with the experience of what it was to be human. Not just staying it there, but, but taking it and making a way for us to know God. And we can extend that same idea to one another. And the Bible talks about the fact that we are the, the, like the incense of Christ. We're like an aroma of Christ to those around us. And the greatest way that we can be an aroma is simply by listening, by empathizing, by understanding people this Christmas. And so one of the greatest gifts you can give this Christmas to one another is by truly understanding each other, to listening, listening with your heart, not just your head, understanding where people are at, what their experience is like, because that is exactly what Jesus does for us as our great high priest. So friends, may we be encouraged by this verse. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. May you have a blessed Christmas. May you know the King of Kings. He is a king like no other. But he's not a king on a distant throne. He is a king who came into the stench of humanity to understand what it's like to live as one of us. As I finish up today, I just invite the, the worship team to come up. And as I do, I'd like you to ponder that question, the question, what is your greatest need this Christmas? And how is Jesus praying for you this Christmas? Those two things. What is your need? What is Jesus praying? And place him first as we move into Christmas. God bless. And may you know the King of Kings.